From the mountains to the coast, create memories, meet new people, and find your favorite wine, mead, or cider in NC. Download the NC Wine app or visit ncwine.org to plan your trip to North Carolina wine country today. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to our 50th episode of Cork Talk. In this episode, we sit down with Carrie and Mark Barber from Pilot Mountain Vineyards in Pinnacle, North Carolina. Carrie and Mark have a passion for hospitality. They want each of their guests to feel welcome and at home so they can relax and unwind. Wine Class with the Wine Mills is back. This time, Jesse and Jessica talk to us about the compound TCA, more commonly known as Cork Taint. One more note, I was having some microphone issues before the wine class segment begins. We fixed it in the second half, though. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can find out more information about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. So we're here today at Pile Mountain Vineyards with owners Carrie and Mark Barber, Welcome to Cork Talk. Well, thank you. It's great to be here, Matt and Joe. We're really glad that you could come by on a beautiful day here today. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started here at Pile Mountain Vineyards. Sure will. So um, Mark and I have been married quite a while and we've had a lot of fun together and we're really glad that we got this beautiful property to be able to share with folks. So those that know Mark, he's a school principal and he did that for 30 years and I worked for IBM for 30 years. And we had some fun adventures. We lived in China for a few years. We had the pleasure of living in London and Australia. And uh, we were living in London. It was actually my last assignment with IBM. And Mark had retired. And uh, we decided that it was time to uh, do a new adventure because Brexit hit when the UK split from the European Union. And my boss said the next assignment was in New York City. And we said, no, it wasn't. (laughs) And uh, amazingly, um, Mark found this on the Internet um, and it's which is pretty unusual. This area, most of the land passes from generation to generation. Right. And uh, we came out to see it, and the vineyard was already here. We're very lucky that the grapes uh, were planted by the previous owner, Phil Hammond, and his wife, Sally. And that was back in 96. And uh, we came on the property, and it's just love, fell in love with the view, fell in love with the house. Um, and uh, we've been uh, really lucky to have this time together. So when did you originally purchase the property then? So this is our sixth year. Uh, We measure them in harvest, so that's six harvests here, um, back in 2017. And uh, so when we purchased the property, uh, the grapes were already 20 years old in the upper vineyard and in the lower uh, vineyard. But there was not a winery or tasting room yet. They sold the grapes to uh, other wineries. Um, So uh, we were pretty lucky. We actually found and bought a winery um, from Mount Vale in Virginia. That was the same size as us, six acres of grapes. Brought that down here, put that in, um, and then built the tasting room in 2019 and opened in 2020. Now, if you remember what was going on in 2020, <laughs> I think we all remember. What yeah, was going yeah. On in 2020. So we had uh, when we bought it, had uh, when we built it, we had intended to do uh, weddings and tasting room. Obviously, the weddings were put on hold because of ten people at a wedding isn't a real big wedding, and so. Yeah, very small. Um, but we did enjoy um, starting up the tasting room and, and have um, now at this point, 
both businesses are really doing well, so we're real happy about that. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with this. You mentioned this is going to be a retirement project. Why choose this? What inspired you? Well, it's pretty uh, simple for us. We both enjoy the hospitality aspect of it. We owned a bed and breakfast before in Waynesville, North Carolina, and we really enjoyed meeting the guests, chatting with the guests. Uh, we enjoyed seeing them come in on Fridays all frazzled out and leaving on Sunday all happy again. And so we realized, hey, we can we can make people have a happier life. And having worked for 30 years um, with long hours ourselves, all we wanted on the weekend was to rest and recharge and be ready for another week. So when we bought the property, we were actually thinking to turn the house into a bed and breakfast. We ended up doing Airbnb because if you're working the vines, you know, you want to do that early in the morning before it gets too hot. Um, and so you're not making your lemon regatta pancakes at the same time. So uh, we started off doing Airbnb with the house and the vines and we sold to the same folks that um, had been sold before. And then we realized you, a lot more people could enjoy this view if we got a tasting room in. So that's when we decided we'd go up for it. Very cool. So I have to say, the view here is absolutely amazing. We're sitting right outside next to the tasting room at a picnic table. And you just look to the side and there's Pilot Mountain. It's just gorgeous. No, <laughs> And it's amazing side of it too. I had never seen it from this angle before. You know, if you go down 52, you see the Pilot Mountain with the um, the knob and then the little hump that's off to the side, they call Little Pinnacle. Um, and then we came around to this side and it's uh, it's amazing. It looks like a whole different mountain. I think, I think it's why it's so pretty. It's also framed at the bottom by all those trees. Right. Yeah, and there's a variety of them. So we've got all the colors uh, showing off right now. Beautiful, just beautiful. So talk to us about <clears throat> the, the two kind of two business aspects, the tasting room and, and the weddings. How, how do those kind of play together? Uh, so that's a really good question. Huh? They, 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 uh, they play a lot together. Um, <laughs> so this year we actually did our weddings um, and had the tasting room open. And so if we had a Saturday wedding, the, the bridesmaids and the mothers would usually be here about 9 a.m. and they'd be decorating and then we'd open the tasting room at 12.30 and we'd do that till 5. The ceremony is actually over on the vineyard, so it's separate enough that um, we could get the lingerers out and then the family and the friends would come up about 6 o'clock and have a sunset evening and enjoy it. Um, the wedding business is a lot more predictable. We know how many people are going to show up, we can plan for it, um, and that's nice, but it's limited in when it is. It's pretty much for us spring and fall and a few sprinkled in the summer and the winter. Whereas the tasting room, we never know, you know, and it's, it's tied to the weather. We know if it's raining, it's going to be a really slow day, but we know if it's a pretty day, you, some days we'll have 10 cars, some days we'll have 150 cars. Yeah. And it, it, it is crazy. Um, Obviously, we know in October to get ready because everybody's coming to see the colors, but the unpredictability is one of the challenges with the tasting room. And we've been lucky for the, the first year we had wonderful staff, and um, I thought all these people were just whining about the staff issues, and I get it now. We've had wedding days where our staff hasn't shown up, and Mark and I just smile at all the families and hang in there, right? But um, I think one of the things we've learned is we're going to um, have wedding days. We won't have the tasting room open next year. And that doesn't start until April. And we wanted to do that so that the bride and groom can have the whole day. And also we aren't having our guests say, okay, it's 4.30, you've got 30 minutes. Because our trademark is we let people sit here and relax till they're ready to go. So we say we close at 5, so you show up by 5. But it's pretty outside. We want you to enjoy it. So you mentioned that hospitality is one of the big things here that you really focus on. So tell us what it's like, what you want 
visitors and customers to know when they come visit here from a hospitality perspective? Oh, good question. So we like the first thing when they walk in to have them feel welcome and greeted. I don't know about you, but when I walk in somewhere and I'm not sure, am I supposed to go to the bar? Am I supposed to stay in the line? What do I do? So we try to greet everybody when they come in. And when they come up to the bar, we, we chat with them for a little bit. We don't want to say... What kind of wine do you like? What do you want? You know, that's yeah. that's not what we're after. We're after getting to know him. We've made some great friends that have come in. That, you know, we go out to dinner now and have fun. And that's a, it's an enjoyable for us as well as for them. Now, I have to say, some of those food truck music weekends, we call it slinging wine. Here you go, here you go, here you go. But most of the time, we're able to chat with them. Um, and then we like to have enough staff so that one of us can go out and visit. Um, we have a lot of folks, that, you know, we'll have groups of 10 show up, and that's why we put in the eight picnic tables so we could handle the large groups. And um, we'll go out and get to know them and tell them the story. And they've all heard about the 400 dump truck loads of dirt that we've put down here to put the building down. And um, the hospitality side, though, is really about making them feel good, making them relax, enjoy the view, look out at this, I mean, this is just an amazing uh, piece of property. And to go home and go, you know what? The world is a beautiful place. And that's what we hope happens when they leave. So Mark, um, tell us about, Carrie's been talking to us about the hospitality aspect and the, and the partnership with, that you guys have had for a very long time as, as a married couple. Talk about what that means to you and, and how you share that passion maybe with Carrie. Well, that's interesting. Um, when Carrie and I married in uh, at Purdue University, the day we graduated, um, we planned our own wedding. We did our own wedding. We did everything ourselves and paid for our weddings. And we remember uh, uh, at, at that time said, you know, someday we're going to do our careers and we're going to work together. Uh, who knows if that will ever happen. But, and, and, and we said, but yeah, we had no idea what it would be. We should have known planning our own wedding at that time that maybe that would have been a great field to go into, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's an unusual thing for two young kids to do. Um, but we remember at that point trying to get out of West Lafayette, Indiana by uh, opening envelopes to pay for things. Huh. And so now we uh, realize that uh, there are a lot of couples that come and we're worried about, especially in the wedding industry and even in the wine industry, of overpricing things. We want people to come out and have a great day with us and not go, oh man, that was too expensive. We can't do it again. And when Carrie and I were first working, or working all these years, if we got a weekend off and we were like, man, you know, we want to go somewhere and if someone wasn't kind to us or it just didn't work out, we may not get that break for another two or three weeks. And the best compliment Carrie and I can get is when somebody walks out, we, we, we all honored like our wine. That was, that's a nice thing. We work hard on it. But they go, wow, we had a great time. And, you know, that kind of means a lot to us because maybe they'll go back at work and have a, a great week. Um, maybe if they're bosses, they'll be kinder to their <laughs> people, you know, you know, and just, and just kind of feel better about their own, their own, own relationship. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's, that's what it's about, you know, and when we have something very special to share with this view. Absolutely. Um, and Carrie and I are glad to share it. Uh, it it's just, it's just a un, unspoiled area. So. Well, for, for me, kind of going back to something you just mentioned, when I go visit a winery, the wine, yes, certainly I want to enjoy the wine. Sure. But it's the whole experience that I get in going. Do Am I made to feel welcome? Can I see the passion of the owners or the folks that are working for the owners in the business? And that makes me want to return. And I, and I think there's probably a lot of other people that probably feel the same way too. So I think it's a good practice to have 
in this industry and any industry where you're dealing with people and wanting them to come back and support your business. It is, yeah. you know, I, I there's a, a, a fun pizza place that we used to go in uh, Raleigh and every time you walked in the door, they go, hey, how's it going? And every time you left, someone caught you leaving. And I was so impressed with that. I was like, this is just a pizza place. And we try when people come in and we're like, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, and they're like, they look shocked. And then when we're at the bar and we're trying to pour their drinks in there, we ask them, you know, where are you guys from? And what do you do for a living? And they're just like, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that since I was in college. <laughs> I mean, there's one guy said the other day, are you going to ask me my major? I'm like, no, you look too old for that. We're asking your job, you know? So that was really cool. You know, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. To, and I think Carrie and I love continuing now. You know, we're at an age now where we could retire, you know, and just, you know, enjoy life. But it's just enjoyable, man. What a, what a chance to meet people. Yeah, it's a great way to impact people's lives for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah it really genuine. is cool. It is. We are genuine yeah. about it. We yeah. really, we really, um, we really like people to. That's important. It is really important, you know, uh, and like you just said, it's not just the wine, you know, uh, years ago, the way that tasting rooms were set up is there were no chairs or tables. You came in, you tasted it and you drank and you bought their wine. And now we're under the new model that we're more like a, um, kind of like the breweries are, you know, where you, uh, or, or maybe a, uh, a wine bar. Yeah. Just come on. Folks are going to come in here today, for example, where you're at and they're going to sit here today they're going to have a drink. They're going to listen to music. And they'll be here three or four hours. They don't run. Now, we're really not on a trail out here. We're right. on the edge. We are a few blocks from the edge of Yakin Valley. Mm-hmm. So we're the far end. Now, if you're over by 77, there are lots of wineries. And it's easy to skip to the next one in 10 minutes. And it's kind of cool. We love doing that, too. We run around them. But here, when they're out here, people come from Winston, Raleigh, or Charlotte. And they just stay the day. And they're just going to go home right up 52. Perfect. So, go. Awesome. Yeah, I do have to say we've been here a couple times now, so we're not brand new. But until recently, it's been a little bit of a drive for us. So now that we're a lot closer, it's just like, yeah, this is a place we can come relax. And, you know, we've talked about going to hike Pilot Mountain and coming here afterward. But, you know, of course, we sit at a picnic table afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's plenty of of outdoor space here. Yeah, Yeah, we have seating outside for 120 and we seating inside for 120. Um, So we've had days where all 240 seats are filled and uh, it's rocking. But we do get a lot of hikers. The Pilot Mountain has done an amazing job at Pilot Mountain State Park. They've added the new visitor center there. So if you haven't had a chance to go out and go for a hike, I will tell you that on Saturdays and Sundays, they close the road to the top at 10 a.m. Um, and that's more for emergency. We, they had a, an incident where they couldn't get the ambulance up to the top of the mountain to help someone. So now they take you up in shuttles. But anytime oh. other than that, you can actually drive to the top of that peak. And there's a wonderful trail called Pilot Knob Trail that it's a little less than a mile. And you can walk there and then reward yourself with some wine after you do Absolutely. your hike. Excellent. And it's not a terribly strenuous hike. So folks can come for a hike at the at Pilot Mountain and come for wine. But what what, what other events do you have? Uh, for folks to enjoy while they're here. Oh, that's a good one, too. Um, So we have, like many of the wineries, have uh, very talented musicians who come by. Um, We will have food trucks that uh, come by occasionally. One of the things Mark and I believe in strongly is we want people to eat while they're drinking their alcohol. And so we'll do food trucks. Now, we're what's called agritourism, so that um, we're basically selling you our crop, which is grapes, 
in liquid fermented form, <laughs> but it, um, it is our crop. So anything we sell has to be prepackaged. So we have crackers and cheese and all those. Um, but we'll have people come to events. We get a lot of birthday parties. Um, they'll come here, celebrate their anniversaries. Um, we had we have gender reveals. We have bridal showers. Um, but the, the most of our time is uh, spent on weddings. And we just love doing them. The, the ceremony itself, we hold down by the vineyard with that uh, beautiful view of Pilot Mountain and the rolling hills behind it. And then the family comes up and enjoys the tasting room for their reception. And uh, they get private use next year of the whole 31-acre estate. So um, so if you do have a special event, uh, we would love to host it. We just enjoy seeing the families and friends have such a nice time together. Excellent. Well, we're actually in a really good spot to take a quick break for our wine education segment. But when we get back, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the view and what makes your business you. Sounds great. It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back. Thanks. Thank you. So what do you have for us today? Today we're going to be talking about TCA, also known as Cork Tank. Okay. We've heard a little bit about this one, but we're intrigued to hear what you have to tell us. So first we'll talk about the science of the compound kind of sounds like the start of a cheer or maybe a boo if you will but the chemical compound name is 246 trichloroanisole right that just flows off the tongue <laughs> 246 trichloroanisole um, but <laughs> right boo. but so this we can refer to it with a short name it's also known as tca or cork paint and this is a pretty powerful chemical because even in the smallest amounts, it can cause musty aromas and flavors in wine. And it's formed through the interaction of phenols from plants, chlorine and mold. So there's a lot of different mechanisms that this can come about and cause cork taint, but it's most frequently occurs in natural corks and then is transferred to the wine in a bottle. And so wines with these off aromas are often called corky. So cork taint can originate from different places in wineries too. So like in the winery, you might have lots of damp surfaces and chlorine-based cleaning products would be used throughout. So this can cause cork taint. Also barrels, wooden pallets, wood beams, cardboard cases. These can all be sources of those phenols that are one of the precursors to TCA. And then if it goes undiscovered, it can spread from all those sources and eventually taint the wines. But basically anywhere there's wood, there are micro microorganisms that are trying to get after it and eat it. Like I was mentioning, there's lots of potential mechanisms that TCA can come about. But if there's fungi or sometimes yeast or anything like that, that's trying to go after the wood. And then with chlorophenols, if those are present in the wood, those are often found in pesticides or preservatives, like chlorine used to sterilize or bleach wood. That can yield the TCA that then is carried through production into cork stoppers and then subsequently dissolves into the wine once that cork goes into the bottle. And it can also form naturally just on the tree bark itself of a cork tree. Um, if there's fungi, mold, or any bacteria that come in contact with those other chemical compounds, they can just form on the bark and filter down into the stopper and then wine. So it, it seems, is pervasive. It seems like this can be a really big problem because there's wood everywhere. When you're thinking about wine, like from the barrel to the cork to right. everything else that's in the just winery, it's just crazy. Yeah, that's true. 
So um, Jesse would talk a little bit about ways we can prevent that from kind of trickling down into the specific, you know, stopper and then that, that bottle. But um, yeah, it's potentially a big problem. And descriptions of cork paint are not that old. They only date back to the early 20th century, hmm. which when you think about like the history of wine on a big scale, like that's not that long ago. And it wasn't even until 1981 that TCA was identified as the main cause of cork taint by a Swiss researcher and his team. So, fairly hmm. recent that we've been able to identify this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So tell us more. <laughs> yeah, so we've typically been talking about these things as a positive aspect. But so we're going to kind of segue into where it's found and, and how it presents. Yeah, so we've been talking about like our primary, secondary, tertiary flavors, and this isn't necessarily a flavor, but we would kind of throw this in the tertiary or even beyond that bucket. But usually, most of the time, this happens by way of the cork. You know, it can be present in oak barrels or processing, you know, that would affect more of a batch, but most often it's the cork and usually just affecting, you know, like one bottle. TCA is quite stable too of a compound. We've talked about some of the other compounds that can change over time, but this compound is there. Like, so if it's in, in your wine, if there's cork taint, you can't just open up your wine and let it air out. There's not really anything you can do. That aroma is very stable and stays as is once it's there. Mm, So once you have it, you kind of have it. Yes, exactly. Mm. Really the only thing, you know, winemakers can do is like checking corks, which is very labor intensive. So I don't really know that that's very feasible. Some things we've read, they can soak a selection of corks, a neutral alcohol solution, and then smell each to see if they find any TCA. And if they do, then throw out the whole batch or reject it, you know, from your beer provider. Some cork suppliers have started testing individual corks for the presence of TCA, which would add to the cost if you're going through, you know, a distributor that does that. But as far as the winemaking and wineries in general, you know, once TCA was figured out and the fact that I want to say Clorox, but the chlorine was a precursor, you know, that's usually not used for cleaning in wineries anymore at all because of TCA. But what was interesting is that it can be used, you know, for bleaching and sterilizing wood before it even gets into your winery. So just kind of knowing the process is important and definitely don't use uh, chlorine products in your winery. Well, that makes sense. But it, it's, a, it's a terrible thing because if, uh, you know, you might be trying to reduce the chlorine, but someone else might be sterilizing their palates or whatever else might be there with, with some of that. So, hmm. Right. And one thing I forgot to mention, too, is that some of the precursors that can cause TCA are a group of chemicals called halophenols. And these are fungicides and insecticides that were used throughout like the 1950s through the 1980s and are still in the soil. So like, even if it's not being used today, it might still be lingering and still around <laughs> causing problems. Yeah. So. One of those things that if you have it, you have it. I feel like there's a big movement kind of when TCA came out. I mean, you know, it's always been there probably, but when things were figured out, like with cork producers and all of that, you know, it was more prevalent than it is now, 
we do not see it as much as you probably did 30 years ago. Well, that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> From there, so how do you know you have it in your wine? Cork taint wines have an odor that smells musty. So like wet newspaper, or moldy cardboard, wet dog. So these off flavors dominate the wine and there's minimal fruit flavor because once you smell wet dog, you don't get that <laughs> smell gone. Hint <laughs> of oh, no. wet dog and blackberry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what's interesting is this chemical doesn't actually have a smell at all. So the TCA molecule messes with our brains and distorts the way we perceive smell in a process. It's called olfactory signal transduction suppression. That's quite the, the process, but it inhibits your olfactory signal and it, mute, it creates a muting effect. So it interferes with your ability to smell, hmm. which is very interesting because it has no smell. It appears that suppression of olfaction presents as dull and moldy odors. Really interesting. So it's almost like it doesn't want you to get the best of the wine. So right. it just says, here's some <laughs> not good stuff. <laughs> Here, try this. <laughs> yes. You'll hate and, it. <laughs> exactly. And it has a really low threshold of detection. But the interesting thing is at lower levels, it can just strip the wine of its flavor to where you don't actually know like why it's muted. You just can be, you know, disappointed in the wine because you're not getting a bunch of aroma, but you don't necessarily know why. And it could be because of TCA. Hmm. So you may not pick up on it. You may just think it's kind of a dud. Yes. Hmm. There is no health concerns though for drinking TCA. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you. Not that you want to drink the wine, but yeah, just why would you drink a wine that doesn't taste good? So, yeah. But some folks say that like the human sensitivity is very high and that um, you can smell TCA, which is interesting because you're not really smelling it, but you can detect it between two and five parts per trillion, which is akin to being able to identify one teaspoon of water out of an Olympic sized swimming pool. Oh, wow. That's pretty intense. Uh, I mean, that, that's yeah. sure recognizable. And what's interesting too, is there's no legal standard for TCA in wine. So, which makes sense. It's not like it's something you test before you bottle because it most of the time happens post bottling and you wouldn't even know that it was in your wine. Mm. And then it can even depend with variety. So I read a research paper that was saying how like in a Pinot Noir, it can be detected at lower levels, but like a Cabernet Sauvignon require higher levels of TCA to be noticed. Interesting. So it's almost like the bigger, bolder wines might be a little more resistant to it, maybe. Yeah, which I think we see that with, you know, a few other faults too, like thinking of Brett and stuff. But, you know, in some of your bolder, more aromatic wines, it may be okay in higher quantities than, than some of your others. Interesting. So now normally we talk a little bit about how do we pair foods with this? But I don't think in this case we want to talk about that. So what can we do if we find that we have a bottle that has some TCA in it? Well, that's a really great question. So as Jess mentioned, there's no harmful effect on humans. So it might ruin your wine, but it's not going to make you go blind or <laughs> make you sick if you drink it. So you can safely drink it if you want, or 
maybe even cook with it. It's just not going to taste quite as pleasant. Okay. Well, and it's interesting too, because some researchers think that we're sensitive to cork taint because that musty smell is similar to mold and food, which evolutionarily could be potentially harmful to us. So kind of interesting that those kind of track together. And I can see that making sense because we don't want to eat something that tastes moldy or drink something that tastes right. moldy. So Yeah. Hmm. And it's actually also not just a wine-centric problem. It turns out bagged store-bought baby carrots can also show high levels of TCA contamination. Hmm. And this is because the carrots are often soaked in a dilute bleach solution, which can contribute to that production of TCA. Interesting. Yeah. I've never noticed necessarily, but I, I'm guilty of buying a bag of baby carrots and then they just sit in my fridge until they go bad. <laughs> and then I buy the next bag of baby carrots because I'm like, I'm going to eat these baby carrots. This is what I'm going to do. And then I <laughs> never do. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe the next time I replenish my aspirational baby carrots, I'll have to check it out. I've never smelt my baby carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I do smell them a little bit, but I don't ever look for TCA. So next time I'll keep an eye out for that or nose out for that, I suppose. So. Yeah. And there are some anecdotal reports that baby carrots have, in some cases, desensitized people to smelling TCA or finding it distasteful. So, oh, so if you're eating bad these. baby carrots, you're okay with <laughs> TCA? Yeah. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. we got to start smelling our baby carrots. <laughs> <laughs> This has been super informative and certainly. Yeah. Well, and you will probably come across this if you haven't already at some point in your wine drinking life, because there are estimates that up to 2% of wines are affected by TCA. So you drink 100 bottles, two of those might have TCA Hmm. if they have real cork. Keep your nose out. Yeah. So that's like what? One or two a year? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So any parting words on TCA that you wish to let us know about? Not often you get to talk about baby carrots and wine in the same breath. (laughs) Well, Jesse, Jessica, we definitely appreciate it. We'll be on the lookout for some TCA in both our wine and baby carrots. And we will (laughs) talk to you again soon. Thanks for having us. You can find out more information about the Wine Mouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at Wine Mouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. All right, so we're back here at Pile Mountain Vineyard. So, Carrie, tell us a little bit about how you got started with the business here what what support did you have and where did you go to get started in this business you know we are so lucky in north carolina there's this amazing organization called north carolina wine growers and the previous owner recommended that we join the um, nc wine growers association and we're so glad that we did um so the group itself believes strongly in a whole feeling of cooperation and helping each other make the north carolina wine industry successful because our competition is not each other it's other places that have wine. And so what we were just so amazed with, the first year, you know, we learned about viticulture and the study of grapes. And the second year, we were really focused on, okay, we're going to open this tasting. What do we need to know? And Mark and I went and visited 75 
different wineries in the area. We're just so lucky there's so many here in Yankton Valley. And every owner said, come spend the day with us. And I took them up on it. You know, I went and I visited, stood behind the bar, uh, checked out all the different point of sale equipment, trying to figure out which one to get. Um, I, I loved it. I went to Shadow Springs. Jamie and Chuck were just great. And I, everyone I asked the same question, I'll never forget what Jamie said. She said, make your caps a different color for every type because on Saturday you're going to grab it by the color. You don't even want to have to think. <laughs> and, you know, I noticed now as a wine, when you go to the wineries, you don't really pay attention to that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, went and spent the day at Hayes Gray. They had just opened um, in December and we were opening in August and Becky was real nice and went through, you know, how, how do you set up your cases behind the bar so that you can kind of figure out what you've had for the day and. So everybody was just great. And um, I, I just got to give a big shout out to Mark Fizzolowski as our leader in North Carolina Wine Growers Association. Multiple times, I think he's been president. Um, he fosters this whole teamwork thing. And we've gone down and visited him there and um, at, at Childerson. It has just been amazing what he's willing to share. And everyone has been willing to share. Now, we, we had another good tip is... Um, we met with Linda King. She is, was a winemaker at Rag Appalachie for many years and is an international wine judge. And we called her up. She did think Mark and I were crazy. We're <laughs> <laughs> a couple of retirees. You're a what? A school principal and engineer? Okay, you want to be winemakers. And we signed her up for as long as it was going to take. And she came um, and helped us with our initial harvest and finally said, you got this? Call me if you need me. And um, we just love that uh, she was so helpful. The, the fellow, Noel Belcher, who sold us the winery equipment, he came down for the first three uh, crushes that, that uh, make sure all that equipment was working. So everybody has just been really helpful. Um, we had an amazing construction crew on this tasting room. And uh, I'll never forget the day we had the cement guy, the excavation guy, and the builder all standing out here. We had put the 400 dump truck loads of dirt was smoothed out. And I said, okay, boys, don't miss. Put my little hands up in a triangle right over the mountain. I said, I want that puppy framed. Yeah. Yeah. And they did it, didn't they? They nailed yeah. it, really. They, they got they it. They did. And for those that haven't been there, we have a 16-foot long sliding doors that open up to the mountain and that's what we were we wanted to capture that view and we told the builder as you're coming in the doors we, we found these great doors by um um smith phillips in winston-salem and i just told her i wanted something that looks like cellar doors and uh, but i don't want to break the bank just yeah. nice and she found those pretty doors and we said we want when they open the doors for people to go wow and that's what they do. And every time somebody says, wow, Mark and I look at each other and kind of laugh, going, they did it, they did it. You're getting what you wanted, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So, it, so I have to say, if you are interested in starting up a vineyard, a winery, or a tasting room, first thing you'd want to do is join the NC Wine Growers. Next thing is, don't be shy. Just come out and visit us. All the owners, we'd love to help each other get, uh, get rolling. Very cool. Yeah, the cooperation is, is unique, it seems, to, to this industry and... It's yeah, wasn't cool that? Yeah, really it wasn't cool in the tech industry yeah. when I was at no. IBM, huh? <laughs> Everyone's sharing their tips and tricks, right? And in the yeah. tech industry, that's like, oh no, 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 we copyright that stuff. Yeah, we copyright all that. But I do have to say that tip about the the different colored foils is a great thing. We've helped pour at some wine festivals, and it does help. It does. Like, you can it? see, oh, okay, that one is that one. That one is the blend. That one is the white wine. Yeah. So you just yeah. grab it and go. Yeah. So very cool. So we're sipping on some wine. You want to talk a little bit about? What, you sure, sure. So uh, right now we actually have all 12 of our wines open um, and until 
probably today the Pinot Gris will sell out, but um, what uh, Matt and Joe have today, we have our barrel fermented Chardonnay, which is probably one of the things that we really are most proud of learning how to do that Linda taught us. And uh, she gave us all kinds of great tips as to where to buy the barrels. Um, don't over oak it, get it in, get it out. I want to see new barrels every two years. Um, and just great process uh, to be able to do that. Um, and then the, the other wine is a blend. Now, I love red blends. And we we dabbled with um, several different, because we have four French vinifer grapes that are red and four that are whites. We dabbled with a lot of different blends. Um, we do have a lot of uh, sweet wine drinkers here in North Carolina. Um, so f we have four dry whites, four reds, and four um, that I'd call a touch of sweet, not like muscadine kind of yeah. sweet, but touch yeah. of sweet. And um, our wine club helps us with uh, tasting and selection. And But we wanted to make one red blend that had fruit in it but was not sweet, if you know what I mean. So it has a nice fruit at the beginning but a dry finish. And the blackberry essence has been real popular for that. Um, the apple, it, touch of apple is the most popular on the sweet flight and the vignette on the uh, dry white flight. Very cool. Yeah. We do have to say that the Chardonnay that we're sipping on right now, if, if Linda King gave it high praise, that is indeed high praise. Oh, Linda yeah. knows when her Chardonnay. When she gave us a thumbs she up. Queen. <laughs> yeah, she is. is. She queen, is. Yeah, so, she um, is. And uh, she, she was really cute because when she came and she asked for a bottle, I'm like, oh, this is really scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but you don't want to upset Linda. <laughs> no. no she, it, she was fun. Um, we asked her. She came the first year in 2018, and all we did was a ton of Merlot and a ton of Vignet because we had promised grapes to other wineries. And um, she's shown us all kinds of great tips. I, I could go for hours on, on what she can do for you if you like that. And then the next year, we're like, okay, don't tell us what to do. Just just hang out and watch and check my calcs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we had asked her to be there for all 10 harvests. And that the third one, I can never forget, she got up. Walked away. You got this. I'm done. <laughs> so she was great. Not she only is it. She and Tom both have yeah. done so much for the wine industry here and, and trying to get the Yadkin Valley started. I mean, they were big yeah. Yeah. people to, to help him move that along. And, yeah. and, and they still are. To see mm -hmm. that. And they still are. They're still involved. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Not, only is it, not only is it a high praise, but it's also a great story that tells you who you are. Yeah. So yeah. perfect. So let's take a little step back then and, and kind of reflect on the years that you've been open. So what has been some of the things that have left the biggest impact on you? Well, definitely the people we get to meet. We That's the biggest impact. That's the most enjoyable part of the whole business. Um, if you don't love people, don't open a tasting. That's for darn sure. Because <laughs> uh, you'll meet a lot, a lot of people. I think the biggest challenge is just trying to remember them. Some of them are regulars and you'll know them and you'll recognize them. Some of them, they'll come a year ago. And, Do you remember me? I'm like, <laughs> we love having you back. You know, we love having you back. But um, it, that's, that's a challenge. But I'd say the other big impression on the other side of the coin is the unpredictability of the business. Um, and we'll have three busy weekends the next week it'll be the same temperature weather and nobody and i'll have two staff members you know we'll just have a nice chat here at the bar because nobody's yeah. here the next week it'll go it'll take off again so we try to figure out okay is there a wake forest football game is mayberry days going on what what is it in one year mayberry days will help us and one year it doesn't yeah so we we just we just go and go with the flow yeah, and I have to say, remembering everyone is definitely a difficult piece because you see a lot of people here. But like you said earlier, it's about the hospitality drive that you have so much that's a, your passion, and it's just making them feel welcome. Yeah. So whether you recognize them or not, as long as they feel welcome, you've done your job. Yeah, for sure. And to notice little things like we'll see 
somebody that needs something. Uh, you know, we're just joking about our picnic tables. They're great for big groups, but if you sit here for a couple hours, you're going to need a cushion. Yeah. yeah, so we'll try it. We'll run out and bring cushions out to folks. But if it gets rainy, we obviously don't want those outside. But um, just helping people open their umbrellas and bring them down if it's not sunny and moving chairs around for them so that they have a group of five and there's only four chairs. And well, you know, we Little take thing. we take it for granted yeah. because we we enjoy doing it. But I've gone to restaurants and bars where it's like, okay, I guess we're on our own, yeah. you know? Um, but uh, serving them crackers and cheese and things like that versus go over there and get your own. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, we're trying to do a personal touch. Yeah. yeah. And it will give you a, a plug for those cushions. Yeah, on the break, you did go get cushions for the picnic <laughs> table. So they <laughs> are. For those. They are not only as, are they comfortable, but they also kind of ease a little bit of the chill sometimes. Too. Oh, yeah, so it's actually true. very nice. We'll have to bring some more out today. <laughs> so uh, what do you see changing in 2023 and what do you look forward to in the future? Both um, here and the industry itself, maybe. Sure. Um, so... I, w- I would start with here because I know us a little bit better. Um, we're definitely the the both businesses have taken off, so we're definitely at a crossroads for ourselves. And I I see the wedding business; it's not slowing down. I thought maybe it was just kind of like a post-COVID bubble last year, but we've already sold out all of our Saturdays in the spring and fall for next wow. year already. Um, so now we're booking Fridays and Sundays, and um, it's been it's it's been fun but we had to sit back and say what do we want out of life our kids um one lives in ohio and the other's up in madison wisconsin and we want to get to go visit them too oh sure yeah and so we're we're figuring out ways that uh, we can balance it so i'd say the biggest change next year for us is the shifting of the hours and we just ask people watch our website i keep it up to date our facebook page i keep up to date and gotta love google man wineries near me They'll look us up, and yep. we meet a lot of people that we wouldn't have before. Um, in the in the industry, I I say that the changes there's so many wineries now is how do we how does each of the wineries show what's valuable? And I just I love that all the wineries reflect the personality of the owners and you go to them and there's something there that you know it's what they're passionate about right you go to divine llama and there's some llamas you go to um hayes gray it's about military you go to somewhere else and they've got their the violins at adagio i mean everybody's got some passion ours happens to be the view hospitality and a, a place to relax some have kids some don't some have dogs some don't we don't have kids and dogs because we're trying to give the adults a chance to recharge. And when the toddlers can't resist my hill rolling down it. <laughs> yeah, you know. And yeah. then going to get them is, is not fun. Yeah, well, it's a yeah. big hill. To Especially if you had a, had a glass of wine. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little difficult, I'd imagine. So we have, we say, if they're 10 years old and up, because we think they can sit in the chair by then. Yeah. But, um, but that's kind of... Um, how everybody's trying to set their vibe um for weddings you can bring anybody you want we had a gal come in on a horse wow yeah we've had dogs for ring bearers we've got kids of all ages so weddings are a private party and that's up to them to set the tone that they want very cool and i like that point that you went in you talked about that at all the wineries here it reflects the passion of the owners and i definitely think that here at pilot mountain vineyards you do pick up on the passion for hospitality the passion for making people feel welcome well, thanks. That's a, that makes us feel really good. Great. So, Mark, is there anything else that you would like customers to know about their, about visiting Pilot Mountain Vineyards and about their business here? I think it's really neat. You know, a lot of our folks come from the city. Carrie and I lived in cities almost our entire marriage. And what a treat to come out to the country. You know, and like when we do weddings at night, people are just 
they're shocked that there's no light out here. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, it's really dark. You know? And you know, it's funny, I'll be walking from the house back, you know, and helping them get to their cars and then carry two and they're like, it's really dark out here. You know, And it's really, it took us a little while to get used to that kind of life. But um, this place is very special because the sun sets right over the mountain mm-hmm. every night. The moon comes up over the upper vineyard and it, it's just a treat. I mean, it's just perfectly positioned. Yeah. And the sun now, in the shortest day of the year, which is coming up soon, will be all the way to the left. And in the longest day of the year, it's all the way to the right. But interesting, the shortest day of the year here is somewhere in about the 1st of July because the sun sets right over the pinnacle. Oh, so wow. it's really not dark, but the sun is gone early. And, oh. and it only lasts really for only about two or three days, and then it moves over to the right or left. That's got to be an incredible it, experience. It's really it's weird, man. Back. It's almost like an yeah. eclipse, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the pilot wow, that was eclipse. wild, you know? So um, so we call that the shortest day. They're like, when's the shortest day of the year? I'm like, July. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> so, Very so, cool. All right. And Carrie, how about you? Anything else you want customers to know when they come visit? Well, I, you know what I'd like is I'd like you to think about things you can do in the area because um, I think this is a really, really special place. And we've talked a little bit about Pilot Mountain. Uh, right up the road is the town of Pilot Mountain. So it's a little confusing. you got Pilot Mountain State Park, us at Pilot Mountain Vineyards, and then the town of Pilot Mountain. And there's restaurants and there's fun things to do. Go a little farther north and you're in Mount Airy. And Mount Airy um, is the home of Andy Griffith. So you've got all kinds of uh, Mayberry-themed things. But they've done a nice job keeping themselves relevant with um, there's a row of I'll, I'll call it bars and places to hang out restaurants as well as the main street so I think what's really nice is this is this is a way to escape if you're run out of the rat race for a little bit without having to go too far yeah and a real pretty area so I, I think we're pretty lucky to get to live here and then Winston-Salem's really done a nice job has turned that city into a really cool place to go visit. And we go there when we need our city fix. Yeah. Yeah. And you're what, 30 minutes from Winston-Salem? Um, about 20 minutes from okay. the north end, um, which is nice for when they need hotels for their right. weddings. They can mm-hmm. stay. Like the Double Tree is 18 minutes from us. But oh, wow. um, now if you go to the Haynes Mall and you have to yeah, go on the other side. Further. But there's a, there's a new highway connecting Greensboro to us that um, – you can get from Greensboro here in 22 minutes. Ooh, yeah, so nice. it used to be 45. You had to go to Winston, back up 52. So I think all the whole area is uh, developing nicely, but keeping its country charm. Very cool. So tell folks how they can find you both physically and virtually. Sure. Um, so you can check out our Facebook page, Pilot Mountain Vineyards and Winery. Um, obviously, you just Google Pilot Mountain Vineyards and we'll pop up. Um, we are listed as a wedding venue on Google and a winery on Facebook, so we can hit both crowds. Um, we've got an Instagram page, PMV Wines. And uh, if you uh, want to give us a call, um, feel free. 336-488-4186 is our phone number. And that's my cell. And I have it with me all the time <laughs> so that I can uh, chat with guests any time of day. Perfect. Well, Carrie, we definitely appreciate the hospitality. It's been great coming out, having the conversation. We definitely love that we were able to sit outside and also look at Pilot Mountain here while we're having this discussion. So thank we're you very so much for having us. We're so glad you're both keen. Yes. Thanks, Thanks for taking for the time. That's it for this episode of Cork Talk. Thanks again to Carrie and Mark. We really enjoyed our visit and the conversation, and you can't beat the view. We wanted to give a special thank you to all of our listeners. We had no idea what we were getting into when we started 50 episodes ago. We've covered a lot across the state, and there's still more to come. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how we can improve. 
And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NC Wine Guys. And here's to 50 more. And remember, a cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers. Cork Talk is a free run LLC production. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.